9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's 9ES, the 9to5 entertainment system. On this week's episode, we have a ton in store for you. If you're a fan of the show and like what we do and want to support us financially, please head to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe to the 9ES Deluxe level where you get access to all kinds of extra stuff like early access to the episodes, uh, a mailbag that uh, we answer, and also uh, Garbage Time, which is a bonus podcast episode that we release as a companion episode every Friday following the release of 9ES. So there's two episodes episodes of garbage time every month uh if you don't want to listen to the garbage time episode you can still listen to this episode the main episode where we talk about the habs we talk about the tour de france we talk about wind in the willows uh we talk about disney plus's loki we talk about the best worst movie ever uh i get to watch a new movie hopefully soon uh we talk about in the heights from lin-manuel miranda and we talk about the hobbit all this and more on nes enjoy the show Let's try that again. Where have you been for the last two weeks? Under a rock? <laughs> Living under a rock? Just about. What? Just about. Uh, while you were away, while you were sleeping, um, yeah. the Montreal Canadiens punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since I, 1993. I, so walking the dog at night, I go by all these open windows, and like as the weeks have gone on, more and more and more of them are playing Habs games every night, and there's little Habs flags outside of all of the cars. <laughs> so I assume it's still going on, and they're in the finals now. And presumably the CN Tower is still lit up, the Blanc Rouge, as a, as a perpetual monument to, to Toronto's failure. <laughs> to Toronto's failure and Canada's success as the last team in Canada in the playoffs. The Kings in the North. The Kings of, kings of the North, and now we're Kings of Vegas, the, the, the true King of Vegas. We toppled Elvis. Yeah. How was the Vegas <laughs> so, series? Uh, real good. Like, the, the Vegas series brought me, like, genuine shreds of hope for the Tampa series. Like hmm. I, w- I was like, I-, I felt that we had very real chances to do to Toronto. What we did to Toronto and I liked our chances against Winnipeg, even though they were still kind of pitched as underdog, but there was the, like there was the narrative and like the stats kind of supported it that like whatever team got out of the North, cause like the North division only played themselves. Right. right. So this was like the first time a Canadian team was playing an American team all season was in the third rounds of the playoffs. So mm-hmm. there was like a lot of the, the the hockey, old old world hockey wisdom said, whatever team gets out of Canada is just going to get smoked by one of these big, bad American teams. Right. So that I was like, whatever, we're kings of the North. Let's, let's just have fun in the third round. But then they like, they met Vegas, like, and then kind of like forced Vegas to play their play style, which was kind of shocking. Like mm-hmm. they didn't just get like run all over the place. I think it will be harder to do that against Tampa Bay, but it was still like Vegas was an extremely, extremely good team in the regular season. I thought so. Montreal was a terrible underdog. Weren't they 16th or something going into the, the finals? <laughs> Sir, technically, because of the divisions, they were 18th. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have not made it into the playoffs in any of the other divisions. So uh-huh. if you look at all 31 teams in Rankham, they were 18th. So are very arguably a team that should not be in the playoffs wow, wow, at wow. all. But uh, but here we are. So, uh, yeah, pretty nuts. I think, And, I mean, <clears throat> we talked about it in, like, the first round as to whether or not Montreal would riot. And apparently, uh, Scott, 
all of that definitely, definitely turned into a bit of a riot when the Montreal Canadiens, while playing in Montreal, punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals on St. Jean-Baptiste. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh no. Walter has like the best take. Walter was just sort of like, it was one sacrificial cop car. It had to happen. Like it was just like, <laughs> they, they left it there. The cops left it there for the rioters as a, like a peace offering. Just being like, here, here's the one you get to wreck. It's an old one. It's like whatever everybody, else. Everybody gets one. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like it's That's kind of like a, peace, a peace offering. They just leave a cop car. I was like, "That's not a bad take, though." Like, if you're just sort of like, there's just an empty cop car, nothing like valuable in it or whatever, just like left nearby, the like the mob of people, and you're like, you could just take this one, just go no further. This is the one for you to smash and do whatever. Huh. Uh, when does that start? Uh, tomorrow night on Monday night. Game right night. On. Game one Monday night. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, apparently the the riots were uh I was talking to local comedian Sarag Malation, uh, who was down there. He went down to the playoffs and uh and watched it. And he was like he's like, Man, it's like it's that whole thing where he's like, What are the cops kind of like supposed to do? He's like, They they pop tear gas real fast, but he's <clears> like, <throat> but at the same time, he's like, the crowd was like getting unruly and like kind of destructive real fast. So yeah. it's, on, it's, on hockey night in Canada, you could tell they, yeah, exactly. they, they, they stuff started shaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. Like, but it's like, apparently there were a bunch of like little, <laughs> who could have seen this coming? Like little like pr- promotional tents where they were like hanging out swag and stuff like in the afternoon. And then like the, the crowd just like absorbed the tents and then obviously like tore down the tents and destroyed them. And like, there were already like tables that got, sm- well, not obviously, but I mean, there's a certain point where it was like, there were probably people getting crushed into this tenty area. Like there were so many people. Like, so I'm sure. not necessarily saying that they were like, like you're like, well, fuck this tent, <laughs> you know, that I'm now getting shoved into a bunch by throngs of thousands of people. Like it was so many more people that were happening. So maybe not saying obviously they were going to get destroyed, but it was like people were getting p- clearly the crowd was like expanded beyond where they thought it would. So stuff like gates and like little temporary structures and stuff were now like fully engulfed by just people standing watching the game. Mm-hmm. which is then obviously people now like jumping up and down, screaming and excited. And then, which is, yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like to imagine. And that, that was like Sarag's take is he's like the, apparently the first like tear gas cans popped off, like less than 10, 15 minutes after the game. Like it was like, it wasn't like way late at night or whatever. It was like, this is out of control. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, I was confused a little bit because by the time the tear gas canisters started coming out, the, the, street was already thick with smoke from the volume of like people popping off fireworks. Uh (laughs) So he's like, there were so many fireworks that it took me a minute to register that, Oh, this smoke is extra stingy. This is tear gas smoke. Cause I was already like had zero visibility in just like firework smoke. And I was like, think about how many, like I've been some weed mixed up in there too. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but it's still open air. Like, but just like, think about how many, I guess how much like weed cigarettes and like commercial fireworks were popping off that you're (laughs) like, it was after this on St. Jean. Exactly. That's it. So, um, and yeah, apparently just like he toured around and there was like a bunch of like every block, every street corner was kind of like a mini party until like, riot police just come around the corner and everyone's like scatter and just like runs to like the next block or whatever like all the way up to like Demazenov and and all that stuff there was like it just kind of wandered the streets apparently it was mostly a good time my understanding is not a ton of destruction outside of the weird little like kiosks for mm-hmm. like fizz wireless or whatever that might have eaten it 
like uh and that one sacrificial cop card so but yeah how, how like much, uh, um tear gas technology has changed since i was a wee lad scott i think you were there better, in better or worse? City. yeah <laughs> nope, or, or, or like more virulent or not really you didn't go no nope. man i was sure you were there i had to work i had, I had oh, lame not getting mm. tear gassed in quebec city no kidding yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, like I love the idea of the guy getting up on top of the overturned cop car and getting his picture taken, like he did not see any of the news about how quickly the states tracked down all the insurrectionists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this was this was one guy. Yeah, but the chick the who knocked thing. over the Tour de France is still on the lam. They can't find her. Oh, but they're they're gunning for her. They I, sure I are. <laughs> Did you hear about this, Keith? I see. I, I, see I didn't. I was yeah. like, I, I've been also like at least somewhat under a rock, spending a lot of the time at the cottage in the last week or two. So yeah. Well, then let's go to let's go to John for sports. Yeah. This is a good, <laughs> this is a good one though. Is so, the Tour de France even a sport anymore? I thought that like Lance Armstrong made it a mockery. Yeah. yeah exactly. He, he did, but then like everybody blamed him, and when he went away, they could all pretend that there's no more drugs. So they're <laughs> like waiting for it. the next. Yeah, we got rid of Lance. Everything's okay. Nobody's doped. Anyway, <laughs> it's the first the first day of the Tour de France, and this lady had a sign. You know, like when you watch Tour de France, everybody's like right up to the edges of the of the road because it's like yeah. you know it's it's long, super long, and people love to go and get into the excitement. Anyway, mm -hmm. she's try she sees the like the lead car drive past her that's right in front of the the front pack of bikers. She jumps out into the road with a sign like "Grandma, Grandpa, Hooray!" You know, something like that. Oma and Opa, and 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 uh, and then her like the edge of the sign. It's a really shitty made sign, so her hand is out holding it up. And then her hand is out, smacks into one of the lead bikers. And this is like the front of the front of the pack. So it's all of the, the top racers who are at the front. Yeah, yeah. Who she are all, who are all cycling shoulder to shoulder. and like Exactly. Knocks over another guy, knocks over another guy. In the end, like 50 people go down. I think I read that the um, uh, that they actually, like uh, other racers who didn't get knocked over actually stopped to try and pick up the pack kind of in the same setting that it was, which is kind of kind of nice when you think about it what, and anyway it's been like as opposed to being like sucker yeah so totally keep going and, and apparently uh, there was another crash later on in the day that was even worse than this one but um she went on the lamb disappeared and and it's just like all you have is this really shitty grainy footage of this girl and, and half of europe looking for her <laughs> yep. i mean i got you got to imagine that it's a pretty good time to go on the lamb in Europe, though, with like the Euro Cup action happening, like all over the place, like people are traveling and backpacking, like troves of people are everywhere. Like for sure, it's it's probably pretty quick to slip or slip around when everybody's traveling for all of the Euro Cup and the Tour de France is going on, and like whatever. And COVID else, like, winding down for yeah, you know, exactly. People allowed it. to travel for the first time in a couple of years. Yeah, the Tour de France and, actually. I was, like, I was said, like, and COVID COVID winding down, but still totally appropriate to travel and wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> The, the the organizers of the Tour de France actually said they want to sue her for uh, for damages. And like you can imagine, like all of those bikes are, are like ten grand carbon fiber whatever's that shatter when they go down. Not to... I mean, you probably could, right? Like I I know that there's like like pretty like intense kind of like if you're if you're if you look at like your ticket to something like Oceaga or whatever, mm -hmm. if you like really read into the fine details, or like, yeah, if you somehow screw up the show you're like, you're liable for that. And it's like, I can only yeah. imagine that that kind of thing, like if, if that's a ticketed spot that you had to like pay to get close, no, I don't know. Not. It's not. It's not. No. So then that's tricky. That'll be tricky business. Yeah. 
because it tours all over France. She was just on the side of the road. Yeah. So if that's not a ticketed spot, then that I think they'll they'll, they'll have a hard time suing. Her. I only know about two news stories. I know about that one, and I know about the the building in Miami collapsing. I don't know if you guys heard about yeah, that? I just read about that. 150 people buried in this colossal thing. In building inspectors there three years ago saying, hey, this thing was built on a literal reclaimed trash heap. The building is sinking into the trash heap. You need to do something about this. And they're Horrible. like, nah. They're like, nah, hang on. This is Florida. <laughs> because you're sort of like, do you, do you see what this address is? It's in Florida. <laughs> we don't need to do anything. Let's see how this pipe, let's see how this plays out. Yeah. Oh no, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> Everybody. Oh man, yeah, I, I saw that very briefly. I was like, oh, what a like huge bummer. But again, when under the in the category of fully avoidable catastrophes, a yep. building falling into a like an uns like an un what was the word that there was a word for it in the article that I read, like just like a like unstable, but like but there was like a better word for it than unstable. Like it was just like yeah, like the actual ground has no chance of supporting a building yeah. forever. That's What's awesome. great is there's a sister building built with the exact same plan, like across the street. Is it also on a trash pile? Um, presumably, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's one of those like five mile by five mile trash piles or whatever. And then they just like pushed it down and they were like, it's like dirt now. Isn't that half of Miami? I mean, it's all like reclaimed land and, and expanded out. And and then even the, the bits that are actual land, it's still fucking swamp. Swamp. Yeah, exactly. The whole of southern Florida is so a giant swamp. Well, that was the whole, the, this was something that happened in like the 30s and 40s or whatever, right? Where like, didn't a bunch of people like hoodwink a pile of investors into like buying acres and acres of unusable land in Florida? Mm-hmm. That was like a 1920s or 1930s scam. Like someone was just like bought up Florida. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early, like when people started selling off Florida. And I think, mm. obviously Disney bought a bunch of it, but they had the, right. they had the money <laughs> to make it go. Uh, or, or at least the money to cover up all the tragedies that they've gone through down there that we've never heard of. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They, they, they paved it with baby seal bones in order to support it because somebody figured yeah. out that was the best material. They exactly. say they retire rides, but that's just because they sink off and fly into the ocean. <laughs> Man, Crowd I was just, speaking of Disney, and I guess also uh, John and fatherhood or whatever. Uh, I bought John a book for uh his his child and i ended up i was floating around between a couple of kids books and one of them one of them was uh, the wind in the willows like which was it was really funny when you were just sort of like oh like like kids books that actually like meant something to you that were more than like good night moon and stuff mm-hmm. and i was like what, what what were my first like books that i enjoyed having read to me and wind in the willows was definitely one of them and i had to like of course google like is is anything in wind in the willows racist question mark like <laughs> You know, because you're just sort of like it's written like by like a British dude, and they're just like they they're supposed to be like kind of like it's like they're all wealthy, right? It's like mole and like badger and and toad is super rich. They're just driving around in motor cars. I was like, there's a real good chance it's racist. Turns out, no, it's not racist. Kind of surprisingly, really surprising. But, you know, yeah, it's I was kind like of for contemporary. You know, yeah, exactly. Like it could have it would have been such an easy thing to just be like, uh, like oh, like like substitute one of the animals for a particular race like you know it would have been super considered like cutesy at the time or whatever and you would have been like oh no this is and then you know mr toad don't go down that way that's the road to jim crow's house (laughs) 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 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but, but they didn't. But was but what blew my mind was that I, I had thoughts back to Disneyland and then I looked it up and it, it still is a ride. It's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is still a ride at Disneyland. And I was like, what child <laughs> possibly like it was like by far not their not their most and like popular cartoon. They made like a, an animated adaptation to it that I think I've seen one time. Like it's like they technically own the property. Why is Keith, this still a ride? Keith, because it's half of the Ichabod Crane movie. What do you mean it's half the Ichabod Crane so, movie? The Headless Horseman? Yeah, the Headless Horseman and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is the same movie. Oh yeah, because they're both like thirty minutes long or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. So Whoa. when you watch one, you watch both. And everyone knows that three minute scene from Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. Right, but but if you watch them both, if you watch it, it's the whole thing. It's both of them, Mr. Toad. Yeah, they were. They, it was they. They were together as a theatrical release. That still doesn't make any sense, though, because I guarantee that you, that doesn't you make get, any sense at all. Yeah. You could like it, it's it's a it's a weird <laughs> double feature, like yep. just in general. <laughs> but like, secondly, I'm like, I feel that like you could put like 100 out of 100 children under the age of like 14 on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and they would be like, "What is this?" Like, why is there a little toad in a little suit driving a car? And I'm supposed to know what this is. Like, it's in the height of Disney owning all of the properties. It's a, I, you know, I'm sure it can't be long for this world. Like, they got to make room it's, for like D- Disney Marvel Town or whatever the hell it is. It's like, probably public domain at this point, isn't it? When was uh, when in the world? Well, sure, but they, but they get rid but, of. Usually, they get rid of stuff that kids don't want to go on. Like, what kid is lining up for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? But it's like, a beloved ride. Yeah. It's up there, and with it's dark though. You go to hell on that ride. You get hit by a train and go to hell. Really? Then you drive out of hell. Yes, that's the thing. Like, like you're driving Max. down, and there's yeah, exactly. That's it. Like you're 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 driving, and there's like the big lights, like and like the the train's coming at you, and it's like you like veer off to avoid the train, but then end up in hell. But then you just drive out of hell, like uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> but as drive angry by, reference. I like it. That's it. But yeah, that's the ride, and I was like, I feel that like. The the best part, Scott, is that if ever you go to Disneyland, and it, so it's it, they took it out Disney. of Disney World, they took it out of the Florida one. Yeah. So it's only in the California one at this point. But I was like, if you took if you take Archer to it, and then like take him, make him ride the ride, and then like make him feel silly for not knowing what it is, and you're like, how do you not know what this is? And and like every kid knows what Mister Toad's Wild Ride is, and he'll be like, what are you talking about, Dad? you're like we're at disneyland everything cool is at disneyland look there's star wars there's marvel and there's mr toad's wild ride equally cool as star wars and captain america is mr Toad. how have you not heard of this you're in grade two this is this is the same theme park that had a pirates of the caribbean ride before there were pirates of the caribbean movies for decades yeah and a haunted mansion yeah I want to say the the Bear Jamboree, too. I feel the Bear Jamboree was not associated with the property. Oh, I bet that's from Song of the South. <laughs> uh, I know, but I know they made a Country Bear Jamboree movie in the 90s. But I mean, but I'm saying that the Country Bear Jamboree as a... As a way to try to distract people that the, the attraction was not from Song of the South. Oh, uh, yeah. And I guess Splash Mountain... I don't Mountain even know what that is. That's nothing... It's not like a, a, a play on the Honey Bear's Picnic? Uh, the Country Bear Jamboree? I, get, yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of like... Uh, like hillbilly, bears. hillbilly bears playing like uh like the jug like, yeah exactly playing playing the jug and having like like the boom the boom, broom boom, with boom, the one boom, uh, string yeah exactly yeah. that's it and they uh they, they were animatronic bears i mean it was more like a little show okay 
Like it was like you you would go and then watch them play. But I think it was like kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese sort of deal. I, like I've never were... been to a Disney fairground. They're very cool. Huh. Like I mean, ob- obviously the, the 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 stench of Disney is all over the place. But yeah, it smells like mouse. As, as soon as soon as you get past that, you're like, this is a dream world of magic. Hmm. <laughs> like like I, I've been a couple times as a kid, and then even at the most recent time that I went as an adult, I went with Ronan when we were out in California a couple of years back. We went to Disneyland, and I was like, how does this as an adult? And I was like, it's the best. Like immediately, like you almost appreciate it more. As an adult, because you can start to like appreciate how they sort of like replicate like a little like town street and stuff. And like like you start to appreciate the the fakeness of it in a way, like like the uh-huh. production value, right? Like right. it's like you don't really realize like set design as right. a kid. It becomes about the kayfabe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. But no, but even just like all of the like all of the set dressing and stuff like that that goes up into the lineup areas, you mm-hmm. don't really like register that as a kid. But then as an adult, you're like, whoa, they've like Someone has like painstakingly thought of literally every square inch of this place. Like right. it, it's it's like a plan, and then the rides are super fun. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I we have a I have an adult an adult trip to Disney World in um, in my future. Once I think this I don't know Star Wars Land is supposed to be open this year, but maybe COVID delayed it a little bit. When they have the the full like it's a full like multiple rides, multiple thing. Like there's always been like a little like Star Wars zone in MGM, even when I was mm-hmm. a kid. But they're doing like almost a full kind of like Star Wars park World. kind of of its yeah. on its own. And I was like, I would like to go to that. Apparently, the the Millennium Falcon ride is like amazing because you get to like it's like a four or five person ride at a time, and like it's each person is in one, one of the stations, one of the stations of the Millennium Falcon, and it's like interactive. So you have like <laughs> driver, co-pilot, the two gunners, and like someone, whatever, and it's all like moving around. And I was like, man, even for like ten minutes, that sounds like the best. <laughs> like, unless you're R two and you're stuck in a, a wiring tunnel and there's fires going <laughs> off, you have to you have to break up the soldering gun. And then every now and again, one of the other players has to run over and yell at you. You don't get to see anything, just like start sparks go in your face, and then you're like, okay, I think I got it working, and then you fall down another hole. (laughs) (laughs) Your your contribution was invaluable. You're like, oh crap. (laughs) The best would be if it was like super interactive, and there was like, I'm I'm presuming because it's Disney World, and they don't want to make anyone sad. Like you could probably do nothing and still like solve the mission or whatever. But I was like, if there were like failure things where you're just sort of like you died. You guys did not. You blew the up the run. Falcon. Yeah, exactly. You didn't make the Death Star run or whatever. You like you 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 knocked off those pipes, those crisscrossy pipes that you're supposed to swerve through. You're all dead. The Empire has risen again. And you're like, oh, have fun. Try again. And the nice. lineup is two hours. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't get to go back in. They stand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just get like you get like like a badge or something. You're like you can't take it off. Like, <laughs> failed to blow up the Death Star, and you're like, this is not coming off. It's like a bracelet. Killed Luke uh, Skywalker. Uh, I guess speaking of Disney and stuff, I watched this weekend all three episodes that are currently available of Loki. How's that? Did you Scott? see? Did you see Midnight in Paris? I have seen Midnight in Paris. Yeah, me too. It's a great pairing of those two actors again. Woody, yeah, yeah, I, uh, Tom Hiddleston and uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah. Because there's a scene in the second episode where they're just sitting around talking, and I'm like, this could be four hours long, and I'd be happy. Yeah, 
So even even Sarah, Sarah was like, man, it hinges. She's like, so like we we marathoned the three episodes, and she was like, I could just watch these two go at it. And then subsequently, episode three, you're like, ah, it needs more Owen Wilson. Why aren't they together anymore? Yeah, exactly. Why have they separated these two characters? These two characters could just like go around solving trivial time like crimes, <laughs> and I would it's be a into lot it of, now. It's like John Travolta and Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction. You, the rest of it is fine. But you mostly just want them to drive around California for a little while. Talk, Talk about shit. fast food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you call it? Loki's Loki's example of what, why uh, the other variant could could camp out in catastrophe is just ruining Owen Wilson's salad. <laughs> just like pouring salt and vinegar all like like salt and pepper over for like five minutes and then just pouring milk into the salad and then he's like catastrophe. Owen Wilson's like that, that was, was my unnecessary. <laughs> And L- L- Loki's just like, I admit now that it was a poor metaphor. And it's like slides of the like sloppy milk salad just like towards him. So I'm <laughs> gathering Owen Wilson plays some kind of a time cop and Loki goes to assist him time copping. Uh, yeah. So basically, the I mean, the premise of the show and then I guess we'll, we'll like I'll explain the premise of the show as I understand it. And then Scott will, I guess, deep dive into comic book lore of how this fits because it's. So what it seems to be is that there's like the MCU is saying that they have one big old timeline, like, and there is not currently a multiverse, even though people have speculated that there could be a multiverse in the MCU. And they've kind of talked about that a lot in say like the infinity war where they were like, you need to put things back into place to not wreck this timeline. So, and then if you remember in infinity war, there's a little moment where Loki at the end, it, when they travel back in infinity war at the first Avengers movie, that Loki grabs a Tesseract mm-hmm. and like pops out of existence. So he pops into existence somewhere, somewhere, but now he's diverged. In, in like from, Mongolia. Yeah. It pops out of Mongolia and it's like, Oh crap. So he's now diverged from the acceptable timeline, right? Cause everything went back to normal except for that, that moment. So then time cops kind of show up and they're just sort of like, you're a variant, get out of here. And what they ultimately do is they have these little like reset cans that essentially destroy the entire timeline which is a little dark, but mm. you know, they didn't really kill anyone because all those people are a lot, or, or they didn't kill anyone who wasn't supposed to be dead because time goes on in the main timeline. Right. So it's like, they're just, they're just knocking off little like variant offshoots of the main timeline. And as long as they do it kind of quick enough, those timelines can't solidify into a multiverse. So that's, that's sort of the, the TVA of the, of the TV show's purpose. And it turns out that they're actually tracking another Loki variant who's bouncing around through time. Um, and they're like, we don't know how we can't track them. We don't know how we can't find it, whatever else like that. So Owen Wilson's idea is to enlist this Loki variant who can like think like a Loki to try to track down the other Loki variant who's like causing way more problems for like divergent timelines and stuff like the other Loki is like straight up killing, uh, killing their time squads called hilariously the Minutemen. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. So he's like, like the other other Loki is killing off their like their time squads, and clearly has a plan because stealing all these little time reset boxes and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, that that's kind of the premise of the of the show. But mm-hmm. what is the TVA in the comics, Scott? Like, I know they exist, but there's also a multiverse in the comics, so I don't know really what they do. Alternate universes also have their TVAs, so they mostly just make sure that no one goes back and messes with time. They're more okay. concerned with protecting time than the multiverse or a singular, yeah. a singular timeline. They're not necessarily interested in a singular timeline. They're interested in 
protecting time. Okay. Time as a dimension, yeah. But other than that, um, the only other major difference is the thing that the show gets really, really well, that the comics just kind of had the TVA existing in a white void with just their furniture there, while the show has possibly the best set dressing of anything I've ever seen on television. Like a, like a 1970s beige bullpen? Like a, yeah, like a 1964 science fiction um, super... Laboratory. Not, not laboratory, like bureaucracy. It, it looks like like going into the Concordia Library building, but imagine that none of the renovations have been done and they've just kept up that late 60s aesthetic. Um, and every, every, yeah, there's oh, like man, thousands upon looked, millions it, upon like like trillions of books and whatever, and everything is dusty. And you're like, doesn't anyone use these? <laughs> you know, like. But also everything is brown and orange and wood and wool. And like, it's amazing. It, it looks and it, like. And it's like. And everyone's life is like incredibly dull. Like Owen Wilson has like a jet ski magazine and like Loki's like, have you ever ridden one? And he's like, oh no, that wouldn't like, that would be an anomaly, right? Like if I was, if someone saw me as a like time correcting person out of time riding a jet ski, like that would be an anomaly. I've never, never done that. (laughs) Just like, and he's just like clinging to this one jet ski magazine. And he's like, a jet ski is a perfect, perfect thing. He's like, he's like, humanity has gotten so many things wrong over the ages, but every now and then they get something so like perfect and infallibly right. And in the early 90s, the perfect like mesh of form and function came together and the entirety of society accepted it with open arms. And it was the jet ski. You're going to check <laughs> off's gun that thing? Uh, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. Like it, it's yeah. there's I mean, if, if it doesn't become a plot point, at, at the very least, there's going to be some footage of Owen Wilson happily riding a jet ski at some point. <laughs> like if, if it doesn't become a full bone like plot element. But yeah, but it, it's great. Like, uh. But then the third episode, like I said, it's the um, our Loki meets uh, meets the other Loki, and then they have kind of this little adventure together. And like Scott said, it's not bad, but it's certainly like the strength of the show is very much Loki and um, Mobius, who is Owen Wilson's character, just like kind of bantering together. Hmm. Yeah, again, I, I, I'm sure the there's like eight hours of footage of them just sitting around in character ad-libbing line after line after line trying to make each other break it's, it's got to be amazing the yeah, it's very, yeah like a weird sci-fi um battle mix remember that it made me think of the true crime no uh, the freaking cop show with woody harrelson and and matthew mcconaughey true detective true, true detective yeah. remember yeah. that episode where he had to run through the the housing complex Mm-hmm. It was all done in one shot. It was awesome. The, yeah, the end of, of the third episode kind of had that with Loki and Loki. And <laughs> I got I gotta say though that the 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 set design for episode three <laughs> was just like comically Doctor Who esque. Yeah. Just like it's all like neon signs and like clear sets and even like the 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 space force of the planet that they're on like just basically look like weird like knockoff like halloween store cobra commander outfits kind of that like are loose fitting like it doesn't look like anything in the entire marvel universe like they literally look like doctor who style like jumpsuits it looks like they stumbled across the altered carbon worse we're just like hey we're gonna use this now and they're like we were halfway taking it down yeah whatever 
It's fine. Yeah. But like somehow worse. Like th- those cop out costumes are terrible, but like comically so. And I was like, what a strange choice. Everything about episode three was a strange choice. I mean, I have my theories. As I'm sure the entire internet does. Yeah, but just a break from genre so fast. It, it was much more WandaVision than... Uh, yeah. Are we, I mean, so, so John, I mean, have you watched WandaVision? Nope. So you're probably not going to watch Loki for some time. Do you mind yeah. if we spoil, sir? No, 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 by all means. Episode three spoilers, right? Like, this is clearly Loki going into... So Sylvie, it's, it's a lady Loki. The variant is a lady Loki mm-hmm. uh, named Sylvie. After or I don't know, is that a what is that a Norse sylph? No, sylph, isn't there? That's what no, I thought. But, but in the comics, Loki was Loki, a lady. Loki. But then it was just Loki. Yeah, like she was still Loki. She didn't just take on another name. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. who knows? Right. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, so uh, she calls herself Sylvie, which mm-hmm. I guess what whatever. Um, and she has like they like Loki's like they established in the earlier episodes that they have like a slightly different power set from variant to variant mm-hmm. and but they're all like they're, they're still all the god of mischief so they all have like tricksy powers right so uh her whole thing is she can kind of like she can much do a lot more of like power of suggestion and like take take over a person's body or whatever or even like kind of like enter into a mental mindscape with them and like get them to like give up their secrets and stuff like without them necessarily knowing it by like implanting themselves into their memories and whatever and so she touches uh, Loki and tries to do it to him. And he's just like, my mind is so much more powerful than yours. Like, that's why it doesn't work. And then the rest of the episode just kind of goes off the rails for like the whole episode. Like Loki, like accidentally breaks the little the, the time travel thing and then like accidentally gets them thrown off a train because he gets drunk in the middle of the day, even though they're on a mission and like and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is all in Loki. This is like Loki projecting into Sylvie's mind to like gain her trust and trick her. That's like, this is 100% this, because otherwise, it's just a com- like completely insane, like as yeah. to what goes down. Which it's not possible. It's Loki experiencing Sylvie tricking him into revealing things. Or, yeah, could be. Sure, that... but it's probably him um, taking over her attempts to trick him. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, it it is it is also possible that it's because there's the, the where the, where things veer off the most is like she has like she dozes off and wakes up and then everything is like he's suddenly like singing drunkenly on the train and then they get into a fist fight and he smashes the time machine thing and like and all that stuff and there's like that that moment of her waking up like See, I was I was watching that with Riss and she was like that's that's a little strange. I'm like, no, this is the guy who grew up with Thor and the Warriors three. This is totally a Loki thing. Like, <laughs> he, he was not, you know, left behind on all this stuff. He, he was on all these dumb adventures when they were, you know, in CGEP. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was the, uh, the, what do you call it? The DB Cooper thing where it was just like, it turns out that it was, it was just a bet from like, uh, what's his name? Thor and Hamlin or whatever the heck their name I'm is. Not. Hamdall, like, yeah. just to steal Earth money. Yep. <laughs> he jumps off the plane and lands on the Rainbow Bridge and goes home. Cooper <laughs> into an explosion of money. <laughs> <laughs> In the trailer, it's all like, you know, look at all this time travel stuff, and you're like, oh, I wonder what caper he's going to go on, where he ends up being DB Cooper. And it's like, no, 
he just flashes back to that time he was an idiot. That, that was done as Loki on like because he lost a bet with Thor. Right. <laughs> because they're jackasses. Last week, John, you missed out the fact that uh, Scott watched movie 43 and we talked about it for almost the whole entire show. But I'm not yeah. sure whose turn it is because it's been a long time. It's yours. The, it's, it it's is? It's yours, yeah. yeah. It, John watched something boring and awful last time that you chose for him that's like we pitched it. Oh yeah, you were like it was really painful or whatever. Did we make it? Watch oh no, 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 no! It was totally mm-hmm. Keith. You were the one who did it because I was going to suggest. It wasn't Hagazusa? Yeah, I, I, I was going to watch Hagazusa. I was going to suggest. No, no, the the freaking uh, Danzig horror movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! That was awesome. Oh yeah, so it is. Yeah, so it's my turn. Yeah, uh, 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 Veronica. Veronica. Yeah. Oh, Danzig. So, uh, are, are we doing this now or are we doing this next episode? No, right. no, no, no. We're doing this now. I'm, I'm oh, ready. Oh, go, Scott's like it. locked and loaded. Here we go. Are you just, just going to fire movie 43 at me again? So <laughs> for, like... yeah, all three of us have to do it. You know what? I'm I'm not. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because movie 43 still has taken real estate in my mind. I think about it at, at odd times. And like if I talk up, about it, it's just gonna you're gonna think about it more. Yeah, no, I want to be further distance from movie forty three. I don't <laughs> what a movie. John, uh it's at the bottom of the list. It's it's so bad. You yeah, put, he it, put it, it he put it at the very bottom. We we said is this worse is this worse than whatever was at the bottom? And it was yeah, uh, let's do the time warp again. No, it's Leonard, Leonard part six. Oh Leonard yeah, part six. Leonard part six. Yeah, Leonard Part Six is is below the the Rocky Horror remake. So you're 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 ready, Scott? You have you have an idea? I'm ready. I, I have, yeah, I have shoot two it. movies here, and I, they're both look terrible. Oh. And uh, I want you to choose your your destiny here. Um, you got to give him a criteria. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me some clues. Clues. The um, clue master. The movie number one mm-hmm. um, is often regarded as one of the worst films of all time. It was also a box office bomb, earning less than half its budget back, and was nominated for Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Pictures. Movie okay. number movie number two. But like largely regarded as one of the, the, the worst movies ever? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Movie number two was released theatrically and was a critical and commercial failure, losing money in the box office. It received okay. seven Golden Raspberry Award nominations and one Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Director, and Worst Screenplay. Movie number one uh, mm-hmm. is a comedy. Movie okay. number two is an action film. Okay. And movie number one uh, includes the talents of John Voight and Scott Bio, while okay. movie number two includes the talents of... Sharon Stone and Benjamin Bratt. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Do I want to go bad action or bad, bad, bad action or bad comedy? That's a that's a dilemma. I'm gonna. We've given you a go. lot of bad comedies. I will say this. We've yeah, exactly. That, that's it. That, that's why I was like, I, I've watched a lot of bad comedies with like Leonard and Soul Man and and. I mean, I guess tiptoes, tiptoes in the in the <laughs> loosest loosest sense of of comedy. Uh, 
Yeah, go. For, I'll go. I'll go for bad action. It's a 2004 American superhero film loosely based on the DC Comics character Catwoman. Oh, oh, Halle Berry's Catwoman. Halle Berry's Catwoman, directed oh, by Pitoff. It hurts. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to watch bits of it. I it have not. Hurts I, so I have, bad. I have avoided it. It's really bad. Yeah. It's it's shockingly bad. This is this. John, you've seen this. I've seen it I, too. I think this I have. might be the first. 2004. Yeah. Yeah, we might have seen it together. We might have seen it together at and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that was one of those movies, much like the uh, the OG Wolverine movie. There, that like a bunch of people saw it. Especially like, that was like the era, like where mm-hmm. there was a whole crew of people from sci-fi who were going yeah, to see a lot of hope. movies a lot of the times. Like where all of us, like I was not to say never going to premiere nights, but like often not. <laughs> and then like everybody was just like that was awful, and I was like, okay, good enough for me. I don't need to spend money to go see this ever again. Like my friends have, have done this. <laughs> And they've suffered for it, and I don't have to. And Would then, you say, Scott, it is worse than the uh, uh, Green Lantern movie with... Um, yes, easily. What's his name? Easily yeah. worse. Yeah. yeah. Have Ryan you tried Reynolds to watch that, Keith? The Ryan I Reynolds Green Lantern? We it's did. fucking awful. Yeah, I think we did. I think I might have watched it with you back at uh, the old place on Benny. Like we, yeah. we sat through it, and I think just like, just were very, very angry. Yeah. Oh man, I'm. It's so sad. I <laughs> and aren't they doing another one? Aren't they doing another Catwoman spinoff? Isn't that like, like? Is, are know. they? Is there an, is there another Catwoman who has like been interesting enough to be worth? I don't think so. Well, I mean, it, it might. Well, but I. Ever. So my understanding though was that there was going to be there are at least talks of like a, another Catwoman standalone film in the like in the actual DCEU. So like, like right. in technically the, the suicide squad Snyder verse, well, not Snyder verse anymore, whatever version, like not the, not the Christopher Nolan Catwoman. Like it would be another right. Catwoman of some kinds. I remember there was some kind of talk about that. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll do it. I'll take, yeah, one you over. will. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Do we, I don't know what streaming platform it's on, but it's gotta be kicking around. Speaking of Snyder, I'll... did you guys watch um, zombie day of the army of the dead? Nope. There's two movies that have been sitting there on my watch list. Yeah. Uh, one was Cruella because Sarah was like, oh, like we like Emma Stone. And it's like apparently apparently a lot of like absolutely style over substance. But even like the negative reviews say it's like still pretty stylish mm-hmm. and Army of the Dead. And the reason yeah. neither of them has, has, has hit play yet is both of them possibly very foreseeable in army of the dead but shocking in cruella they both have like two and a half hour run times yeah why why is a film about cruella deville two and a half hours First army of the dead was kind of directed by zack snyder so there's a lot of slow-mo so you can kind of you can kind of yeah, exactly that's, it. How that's yeah, happening the, the two and a half hour run times has uh, has scared me away from both of those i, I think i i'll just say something really quick about it because i did watch it and scott you should check it out as well i i kind of like i didn't totally enjoy the whole thing but i did think that it was at least somebody trying to do something interesting and a little bit different it was it was kind of like 300 meets suicide squad um in a weird way like it's it's a suicide squad type of scenario and and you could tell Zack Snyder maybe didn't get, I don't know this is maybe I'm making this up but it feels like Zack Snyder maybe didn't get to do everything he wanted to do with the Suicide Squad film like he had all kinds of like studio you got to do this you got to put this stupid shit in it you got to do this with this character and then he didn't 
like because it's just so similar in makeup to to Suicide Squad, and then the way Three Hundred had like the trick of slow mo action coming in, it becomes like a style for the for the movie. This film has a short camera depth of focus is the style of the movie. So like every shot is super super shallow focus. You'll see you'll yeah. see when you see it. It's 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 got a really strong style of its own, even if it doesn't always land. It's interesting. Uh, the Zack Snyder biography. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a strong yeah. style of its own, even if it doesn't always land. Zack Snyder experience. That's not so bad. Just for, I mean, Keith's sake, and for anyone else who's listening, Catwoman is available for streaming on Tubi. Oh. Is it free? <laughs> free for on free. Tubi. Yeah, free. That's oh. good. That's good. Don't well, give those guys no money. Sorry, exactly. Halle Berry, Oscar winner. <laughs> I had to give Oscar winner Halle Berry any money. That's right. <laughs> Although, oh my God. However, if we wanted to take, oh no, this would be ripping off uh, Alex Rose's thing. So we, we couldn't, it would be mean. Cause I was going to say, um, this would be a weird jumping off point because Halle Berry was in movie 43. Ooh. So I was like, if somehow we started linking the bad movies by shared actors or actresses, <laughs> Well, be are there other other atrocious Halle Berry films? Wasn't she in uh, Swordfish? Yes, she was in Swordfish, which was. Which I don't know if it's bad. like we, don't, we wouldn't necessarily to need to stay on. with Halle Berry though, but like we could mm-hmm. we could go into a bad film like Via Sharon Stone or something, right? Like it could be someone else in the movie because she mm-hmm. was in movie forty three. We don't need to just or we just go through the next five movies on best worst best movie ever are all Halle Berry's. Films. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's almost cheating with movie forty three. There's so many people in it. Surely you can find terrible movies. Yeah, for sure. You can yeah. be spinning off that for a while. Um, so I really wanted to go see Fast 9 today mm-hmm. in movie theaters. Because <laughs> really? Vin Diesel told me that I should go back to the movies. Did he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a weird There's a weird commercial with him like doing the voiceover, like specifically for Fast 9 of being like, like kind of like doing doing one of those like like monologues where he's like family and like whatever else like that. Like, you know, like the, like, like the, the car driving in the sunset with him talking about family or whatever, which is like uh-huh. something that happens in the films. It's yeah. like f- clips of the, the car driving and stuff, but with Vin Diesel doing a monologue, like a, that style of like family, family first monologue, but like about the movies, please go back to our movies. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, exactly. That's it being like, nothing is the same. And like, and whatever, but like nothing beats the feeling of the movies and whatever. Uh, but I was also like, man, so apparently in fast nine, they go into space. So I was like, sign me up. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, they go into space like, and fight John Cena. Do, do exactly. they just drive their regular cars in space? I think they just hit a big ramp. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like the worst part is I was like, I haven't really seen that many trailers for it. But like that part that they're going into space got like spoiled for me by a radio ad. Because <laughs> I you hear someone, I presume ludicrous, just being like, we're in space like, <laughs> on the radio ad. And I was like, way to burn that part. <laughs> like, Not that it's surprising in any way. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I was really, I was very much tempted to, to go to the movie theaters and, and cause apparently it's very safe. You don't sit next to anybody. You wear a mask the whole time. You, uh, you don't, I don't think they have concessions. There's also yet like anything. 15 cases a day right now in, in Quebec. 50. Mm-hmm. 
It's not a lot. You're not some of that, and even yeah, even less. I think like, if you look at like Montreal's numbers, yeah, they're like under fifty or something like that. Yeah, for sure. It, it it just it felt like I was like, oh, it's a rare time that I'm like kind of home on a Sunday. We'd go to us taking a matinee. Like didn't work out timeline wise, but uh, right. I really want. I was like, oh man, I got to talk about Fast Nine. Not currently getting well received on Rotten Tomatoes though. But I'm like, really? I, it's hard. It's hard to tell if yeah, these movies ever suppo- do. Yeah, it's like, is it supposed to? <laughs> like, who knows. Uh, but instead I watched, um, the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical that was supposed to come out in 2020 that then got delayed, uh, since it was on HBO max now, but it's also released in theaters called in the Heights. Oh, no. (laughs) Close. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, in the Heights, which was Lin-Manuel Miranda's, uh, first kind of like big musical breakout before Hamilton. It was like the thing that sort of gave him the clout to pull off Hamilton. Was he did this? Uh, he did this production called "In the Heights" about where he grew up in Washington Heights in New York City and the the Latin American community and whatever. Uh, leans way more into the like Hamilton style rap stuff than Hamilton does. Like Hamilton swerves a lot more into like traditional music musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, within within that rap stuff, kind of like spiced spiced in here and there on the uh, in the thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, clocking over two hours. Movies stop that. Like, just, just stop it. <laughs> I don't know why. Who, who is there is just like, man, I need 140 minutes to tell this movie. Especially like, a musical. That's a big commitment uh, to musicals. It's a big commitment to musicals. And on top of that, too, like, there, I, I would argue that there's maybe about 15 minutes of pure dialogue. Like, like it's, it's a lot of musical, <laughs> like it's a, a lot of, but it's a lot of like conversations that happen while they're singing. So like the plot is advancing. It's not necessarily like cats where they're like, hello, my name is so-and-so and here's my thing. <laughs> and then I leave. Like there's a lot of like the plot is advancing through the song. So it's not mm-hmm. as heavy to watch, but it's still a lot, a lot, a lot of musical. Um, But visually it's super cool. If you like the... If you like the dance numbers in uh, Romeo and Juliet, you know, like the, the big, like, or, or say Great Gatsby, whatever, like the party scenes, like, like the, you know, like the party scene in Romeo and Juliet where... You're comparing uh, this guy to Baz Luhrmann? Whoever directed it? Yes. Yeah. Is it favorably? Directed... Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, visually, like, there's a scene in, uh, like, where it's, like, literally hundreds of people doing a choreographed dance thing in a like a public pool with like simultaneously like people on the sides dancing off of everything. And it's all like, like, and then people in the water and then underwater stuff, underwater break dancing with synchronized swimmers and whatever. And you're like, even Sarah, Sarah was like, yeah, I could just watch this forever. Like, like this is like just dope to watch. Boy, I don't know that I could. Well, I mean, you didn't even like Xanadu and that is like, (laughs) that was roller skate magic. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. It's like if you have any like appreciation for like choreography and like and also but like I think importantly, like the Baz Luhrmann comparison, it's like it is absolutely like it's a B plus Baz Luhrmann uh, yeah, impersonation. It's directed mm-hmm. by John Chu, who yeah, John Crazy Rich Agent. the gem in the holograms. Mm. Oh, what? <laughs> Uh, he also directed Justin Bieber's Never Say Never and Justin mm. Bieber's Believe, as well as Step Up 2, The Streets, and Step Up 3, 3D. This is where he's getting his dance his dance choreography. Wow, wow, wow. Sure. <laughs> wow. 
Gem and the Holograms was a disaster. Yep. Yeah, but I feel that might have been a movie that he had to take for for purposes. I feel that like been also, that also might have been one of the that might have been why the reason it got so small, right? Because he was already like Gem and the Holograms was not was pretty recent, and Crazy Rich Asian Crazy Rich Asians was like a very big hit. So that might have been one of those like studio suppressed or potentially contractually obligated deals because like he was like. I'm coming on the ups. <laughs> and then was like, oh no, I you gotta pay your trash. dues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever it was. Anyway, visually super good. Uh, I have no reason why I think either of you would watch it, but it was still like, it's a movie that's like brand new. So I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I, I like his stuff. I think he's funny and I think he's clever and clever in a way that I appreciate. So. I will say that it's a like, it's slightly annoying <laughs> that two of the characters there's like clearly the Lin Manuel Miranda character like Usnavi uh, and another character but like two of the characters have the Lin Manuel Miranda flow when they're like rapping and I was like no I was like that can only be one person like otherwise it's like it's it's too obvious that he wrote like that he wrote both raps you can't have two characters like doing that, like, let me teach you a lesson while rhyming. And I'm like, you know, like that, like listicle thing that he'll do. And then like, he has good, good flow, great rapper. Like, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Then Manuel Miranda can spit. But like, you can't have both characters doing that flow because it's, that's, that's not right. <laughs> like one of the, one of the other characters who has a rap has a very different, different like cadence and delivery and stuff. So that, that's fine. But when two, the two characters are doing it, I was like, this is weird. It's weird to the ear. You know, like when you're just like when you hear two rappers like with exactly the same flow, I guess maybe other than Migos. Migos burn. Anyone? No. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know, know what you're referring to. Migos. Rap. That's right. That's my impersonation of Snoop Dogg impersonating Migos. And a lot of other people. Yeah. So it was it was cool. I liked it. I would say worth watching. Maybe Scott. Uh, again, it's 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 a lot of rap, like which I feel might appeal to you if you do like that uh, the Lin Manuel Miranda style. Like it's it's not it. Yeah, exactly. Like it it very rarely breaks down into like let's sing about the subway or whatever. Like any of that stuff. It's like it's it's a lot of like action. Like almost every character is like has like a rap kind of number and stuff. It's going also. Uh, what's her name from it's, it's a small role, but it's very, very funny. Um, Rosa from Brooklyn nine, nine. Yeah. Yeah. She has a, she has like a small bit kind of comedy role as, uh, just like the, like big hair chewing bubble gum works at a hair salon girl, like, which is, which is great to see her like just completely not Rosa, like completely not Rosa, just like. Like, she oh, did you that. get his numbers? Kind of like super excited and whatever. Well, she was undercover once as that person on Nine Nine, right? Yeah. So then maybe that's how she got the role. <laughs> <laughs> did the whole thing, and I guess yeah. And Lin Manuel Miranda's on Brooklyn Nine Nine too, right? He's Amy's brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's good. It's worth watching. Uh, what else have you guys been 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 watching or binging or or anything? 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 Can't have you read say. Good Night? Have you read Good Good Night Moon yet, John? I've actually been reading The Hobbit to him, although he is less than two weeks old, so I'm pretty sure it's not all getting in there. <laughs> but um, it is. It does quiet him down a little. 
I mean, I think that was like I, I mentioned this to you when I was giving you the 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 Ozma of Oz book or Wizard of Oz with Ozma of Oz and all that stuff. Is like there was definitely a big part of my mom reading to me where I was not necessarily like actively old enough to probably even comprehend but it was just like yeah like being read to and stuff then at that point yeah pick a book that you don't mind reading <laughs> you yeah, know like exactly as long as exactly. it's like kind of like kid friendly or whatever i'm pretty and, sure uh, his ears also don't function completely yet too like it's just the, the the wires are there but the circuitry is not all quite hooked up yet and there's little sparks flying around that's that's baby state at this age it's like Mark was, uh, Mark was talking about, he's like, man, he's like, I wonder if you could like impact a baby's development by just reading it like philosophy textbooks or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I don't know at what level does like language start going in? I'm sure it takes a couple months. How's the Hobbit? Is it good? When was Is the last it time good? you read it? Uh, I haven't read it in years and years and years, and it's actually kind of more fun than than I had recalled. I guess like the Lord of the Rings is a heavy go, and um, really like a like let's go on an adventure. Exactly, like. exactly. There's like a very kind of friendly style, you know, like the narrator kind of talks to you a little bit more than you're used to in, I guess, a lot of fantasy books. Maybe it's just I haven't read a lot of children's books in a while. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure like a lot of like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like again, you're, you're reading it, but I remember you just yeah. sort of like, as hobbits are prone to do, don't you know? Like that kind of like, yeah, that kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, it's fun. It's what? like Mr. Tolkien sitting down to read a story with me and my boy. Did you? Uh, was it Latvian or Lithuanian? Someone posted a thing about like different languages and different cultures version of Once Upon a Time, hmm. where it was like like the opening of a fairy tale being Once Upon a Time, and like different languages have have a lot of like story time and whatever else. And then there was just like the in in a in a faraway land is usually like the English way to do, but like there's a lot of languages that say like beyond seven seas and seven mountains lie the kingdom of whatever. Hmm. And I don't remember if it was, it, I thought it was Lithuanian, but now that I'm saying it, maybe it was Latvian, but it's like almost all languages that have that comparison, like the, the number one, say seven, but yeah. one language just says nine, <laughs> like beyond nine rivers and nine mountains. It was just like, it, which is totally, you could just tell there was just like some elder, like, I guess like tribesmen or villagemen who heard like the seven thing and was like, well, I could top that. <laughs> like, so, just like, and, that, and that like integrated itself into culture. You know, I'm, like I'm the pretty old- sure there are in fact only two rivers in all of Lithuania, although they <laughs> branch they branch into three at one point where, where one of them forks. So maybe there's actually three and there might actually be no mountains in Lithuania. I think the highest altitude is like 50 meters. Super far away. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, gonna, so if they're saying it. nine, they're way out there. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're gonna hang on. We're we're gonna get into this in garbage time because uh-huh. I just found that there's an entire Wikipedia uh, page for it. I just wrote "Once Upon a Time" variants and found like a hundred. So mm-hmm. I just want to look at the the nine one was it was Lithuania. So it's beyond Ooh. nine seas, beyond nine lagoons. There aren't even so. nine seas, <laughs> like on the planet. Are, are there are there any lagoons in Lithuania? Do they even I, know what a lagoon is? I don't think so. How could there be a lagoon? It's on the Baltic Sea, and there's a there's a beach, but that's it. That's so the comp. Oh my God, Lithuanian. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, in English, we like to end things happily ever after. Yeah, this is all going to be garbage time. So if you're liking yeah. this content, we're going to get into other languages. Um, <laughs> so the, instead of happily ever after, 
in Lithuanian, the traditional like folkloric ending was, and I was there, drank some mead ale, dribbled through my beard, had not in my mouth. End. <laughs> that's how that's how you end the story. I was there, like your friggin' James Murphy at some party that Daft Punk was playing, and then there's beard <laughs> ale in your beard, and you didn't get any in your mouth. Story yeah. over. This is how you Lithuanian fairy tales end. The Baltic states are like sandwiched between Russia and Germany, you know? So when, every time they wanted to go fuck with each other, somebody got stomped on on the way, and that that was us. So yeah, so the, the, the typical beginning from Lithuania, beyond nine seas, beyond nine lagoons, was how, how they started. Weird. And the end, That's got to be a, a weirdly translated word. I kind of don't understand how you could have any lagoons in Lithuania. It might well, mean like, the, the word might have been, does it say the word in Lithuanian? Because it might be well, prudas. Devinu de, de, de is, I guess, nine. Okay. Because right? yeah, in, in Devinu Yuri, it was Devinu Mariu. M-A-R-I-U with a squiggly underneath. <laughs> yeah. So, unsure how to pronounce. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know Lithuanian that well. I mean, there is, uh, and it's definitely Lagoon. So there's yeah. the Coronian Lagoon, which is the Curicio Merios. So yeah, it's <laughs> very right. much known the word for Lagoon in Lithuanian. <laughs> That's super weird. Huh. A thing like that. Anyway, yeah, it made me think of Lithuanian that just some some Lithuanian storyteller, though, just like probably heard the seven thing from other languages and just upped it by two to make his story sound like more robust, which I thought was a great right. storytelling trick. <laughs> You're like, whoa, this must be extra far away. Maybe you could start that. You could do that to your kid. Just like every time you start story time, just be like beyond nine seas, beyond nine lagoons. Tonight's story yeah. takes place. <laughs> I you can tell the lack of. Good. You should probably do that with your D and D games. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the lack of D and D. This is like two weeks with none, and it's been a year and a half of two D and D games every week. Yeah. Has the Thursday I, game gone I, on, or have you guys? Oh, we're done. We finished it. Remember? Yeah, I know, but maybe you're starting something else. I don't know. We might. I feel you'd be involved in that email. Uh, yeah. I ran. Um, I finally ran my first game of Alien, the Alien RPG. I ran it for uh, Pat and Sarah and Rachel. So yeah, the setting uh, the setting takes place on Hadley's Hope, which is LV426, which is the site of Aliens. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you remember in the setup of Aliens, the colony's already overrun. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the, the setting is literally... So you, you play like a, a, a repair crew that like arrives at Hadley's Hope, like from the from the planet, or from like just like a, a repair excursion, and like shit's already hit the fan, and everybody's already left. But like yeah. the Marines have the Marines haven't gotten there, and it's like there's like one shuttle out of town. So it's like it's very much like, and it's like it's a it's a lot of people say it's like a really good primer to the game because it throws you into the environment, and there's a lot of Xenos and whatever. They're like because it's like part of it is like. And, and absolutely, Rachel and, and, and Pat and Sarah made this exact mistake, even though they're not necessarily, they're like experienced role players and even new role players themselves are like, the monster comes here. I'm going to be a hero. And they're like, one of the things you need to learn is that you'll die like mm-hmm. really quickly. And the way the system is built is you just keep piling on stress onto these poor characters. Stress gives you more dice, which does have a more chance of success, but then it's more chance for a panic roll also. 
Mm-hmm. And like, then you can just like f- scream or like freeze up or whatever. And it was just like, they're just like making their way through the little base. There's nobody there. Uh, like dropped like a singular like Xeno scout on them. And it's just like within three or four rounds of combat, one of them had their skull punched in by the little alien mouth, like uh-huh. completely dead. The other one was at one hit point, having had its like the razor's like tail wrapped around it, like clutching it to death. And the other one was just like frozen and catatonic in the hallway. And you're like, and that's three rounds of combat with a xenomorph. <laughs> like, <clears throat> does it get better if you have weapons? Like you can, you're, and like you feel a little safer because you can shoot them. A know. little bit, like like there's um like I mean playing playing true to the series like the like ba- like the book is basically like a fully outfitted crew of colonial marines could take one down, but there still will probably be casualties. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the vibe where it's like that's it, you, and like obviously they 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 promote like setting traps and stuff like they're more susceptible to fire or whatever but it's like yeah if you go up to if you're like in they're like basically though if you're engaged with one in close combat you're done (laughs) like you're like obviously you could kind of maybe like trap things between guns and fire in but it's like yeah they can crawl on all surfaces they're super fast they have like four or five times the movement speed of humans if one of them runs at one of your characters like the character people need to try to get them off and there is kind of like a like sort of a ruling that if it takes like enough damage, it'll like skitter away and whatever. You don't necessarily need to drop one because they are like they're not suicidal, right? Like they're right. they're not just like endless things. They'll they'll go back, but then they'll like almost inevitably, like even the book recommends it. Like if that if you do play it like that, they're like and allow for a certain period of time, and then multiple of them will come. You know, like where it's like because that's what happens. Like the, the injured one will go back to the hive and then like get reinforcements, and then they're going to be like take this thing down. Because it's potentially a threat to the hive, because it hurt this drone mm-hmm. or whatever. So, also, yeah. John, you you don't want to fire any weapons down there. The whole thing is basically a giant nuclear reactor, flame units <laughs> only. What do you what do you expect them to fight this thing with? Harsh language? Like, come on. Okay, okay, but that's that's over in the reactor. These guys are in the village, right? Isn't that like far away from that that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're 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 in the uh, in the little base where presumably Newt is hiding somewhere. Right. Uh, also, yeah, also great. great. And why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> uh, I love that movie. I, also, so, go ahead. But I, I just, I I just say, rewatched Alien last week. This was like Hobbs's first movie. I was trying to put him to sleep. I put it on quiet in the background. Oh it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> the first Alien, Alien, Alien is great. First also, Alien, yeah. also, a lot of it's quiet. Like yep. it's a pretty, yep. it's a pretty quiet film. So if you have it low, uh, but yeah, the the best was like unsure of like Rachel only had like a passing familiarity with it. So I, I got to actually wow. uh, actually do a, a, a like a, a complete and total like a legit oh my god what the hell moment when she was in close combat with a, an alien and like punched a hole in its head with a bolt gun and then took acid damage. <laughs> and she's like oh what the hell and i'm like aliens have acid blood man like the thing was like looming over her and she like poof, like shoots up into its chest and then gets like spattered with acid and just like takes extra acid damage and i was like it's great that that was a legit like like i would you'd have to role play it that way yeah yeah one way or the other even if you knew right like you have a bolt gun the thing is up over you but she was like had a legit like what the hell <laughs> why it bleeds acid i'm like sure does that's a xenomorph man so Has was, she never seen Alien and Aliens? She's seen like she's apparently seen Alien and Aliens, but like she saw them like as a teenager, like the once, like hasn't like really gone back and like like remember like remembered Alien, remembered the design, like remembered the horror of it and like the action and whatever. But like 
the fact that they have acid blood, I'm not going to like falter for not remembering like 16, 17 years later, right? Like there's only a, and like even alien acid blood in the films only matters sometimes, right? Like in there's the a couple scenes where like it, it hits and it's like going through and they're like, oh my God, it's going to go through the hull. But then that's not always a concern. Like, yeah, that never comes back up after the first time. Yeah, exactly. And then and it and it pops up I think once or twice in Aliens where again like there's like the splash of acid, but then there's times where they're mowing them down and it's not like leaving divots in the floor or whatever, yeah. you know, like so the they have acid blood at 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 plot requirement <laughs> levels. Yeah, important moments. Yeah, exactly. But still, very, very uh, fun, fun game, and uh, and I, at least knowing some of the other scenarios that are upcoming are a little less like Xeno intense, like which uh, like I think I have the two other modules that I have, or like ca- like or cinematic campaign modules. One of them has neomorphs from the dumb Prometheus world, um, oh. and <laughs> oh. and the other one has like you're a fully outfitted marine team where people are like, yeah, you actually, if, if the, if the players are smart, they could like pincer an alien and not just get obliterated by it. Like, cause you're marine equipped and have like grenades and flamethrowers and all that stuff. So, <clears throat> but it was, like I said, it was a, a good scenario to run and they all, like everybody had fun, but it was also just like a lot of people recommend playing it. Cause you're like, it's really a one shot. It's like an hour or two. Don't be surprised if you party wipe kind of thing. Like, cause it's like, it sets you up as we're just like, we're just a couple guys who like work out in the fields. And then you're just sort of like, Oh, aliens everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, I like the, the, the stress and panic system. I think I find is, is really, really fun. And let's like, um, like one of the characters, uh, Pat's character, it's like the more stress you have, it adds to your dice pool. Like I was saying, it's like mm-hmm. Pat's character had no strength whatsoever, but was like, this was like well into the, it, like seen a chest buster, had a face hugger. So it was like six, pa- six levels of stress or something. So even his like his strength two roll now he has like eight base dice. So actually like busted out of the 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 alien's tail whipped around it where that would be physically impossible, you know. But then busted out, but on that busting out also rolled panic on his stress dice. So then just like <laughs> ran like ran down the hallway screaming, you know. So it was like like that was his like like they're pretty there, appropriate. Random... Yeah, exactly. That's it. I was like, yeah. it's perfect. Like like you're sort of like I'm like the system. Like lets you do the like unexpected, like, oh man, I didn't expect that guy could like bust out from the alien things, but then just run screaming, abandoning everybody like against his will. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how heroic he was feeling a moment ago, he's just now running the hell away. Like uh it, it's it's cool that the system has that that kind of stuff built into it, right? Like you'll because like whatever, this the science guy. The science guy isn't gonna be like, and then I take a heroic last stand. No, he's gonna run the hell away. That's a xenomorph up there. Anyway. Would play again. Mm, Scott's on mute. Yeah, Scott's on mute. Even Gorman gets a heroic last stand in the second movie. Sure does. The shithead lieutenant. Gorman. He's the shithead lieutenant who freezes yeah, under. Yeah. Freezes under. Uh, under pressure. Under pressure. The first fight, and then you know when he realizes he's about to die, he's like, "Oh yeah, I brought a grenade. We're going to take a few of these out with me." I, I came very, very close to winning 50 Canadian dollars from Pat because Pat was like, no, dude, Paul Reiser is in the first is in the first film. He's the company man. And I was sure like, isn't. I, nope. I, I was like, and I was like, I was like, I don't want to like hard flex here. But I was like, <laughs> I'm very, very like we've talked about aliens a lot. I've read them a lot. I've done everything. I was like, 
Paul Reiser, like, I was like, there is no company man in the first film. Like, other than they all are, they're all space truckers who work for the company. But I'm like, there's no, like, company man who's obsessed with, like, doing the asset. That's at, at for most. For the android. And, and and even then, but like only slightly, right? Like because he's programmed to, he's still not necessarily like Ian Holmes, like, like, yeah, he, but it, yeah. he's not like the, the guy who's like, I'm here from the company and we need to like secure the asset. He's just doing it stealthily, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah there, no, no, there's no. no. no... Paul Reiser yeah. is definitely in the second one. That's, that's yeah, like, but I was like, by like a, I was like, there's, I was like, not only am I sure of it, I was like, there isn't even a company man in the first one, like at least not in that in that role. And and he was then he he realized he was starting to get them mixed up because of Ian Holmes as the android and uh, Lance Henriksen as the android. And he was like, yeah. And then Lance Henriksen at the end gets like chopped in two. The or he's like the android gets chopped in two, whatever. And I was like, you're still yeah. referring to the second one. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. He's like, I believe I have them mixed up. And I'm Ian like, Holmes yeah. has the the spinny freak out. Yeah. 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 Um, no, Paul Reiser is the one. Be- you, you know it's him because he tries to infect Newt with a facehugger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, and nobody, and that's what I was saying, is I was like, nobody, I was like, there's only one alien and the infection happens at the spaceship. So that was like, so when he was describing, he's like, yeah, and they like, he's like, he locks, the, he was like, Paul Reiser locks the guy in the, like in the observation room and to try to get infected with it. And I was like, and you've once again proven your point that that's the second movie because the infection happens at the engineer ship in the first one. That's the but only there, face hugger. There is a scene where this the, the face hugger gets loose, and it's sort of implied that Ian Holm kind of let it go in order to get somebody else infected with it. A face hugger? No, it's a chestburster. The chestburster they kind of like get let go in the first one. Yeah, it but, already no, no, no. but the, the face hugger is like out of its it's it's gone right after it lets go of um uh what's his name? The dude. Yeah, the dude. Um and uh, and then they can't find it. They go into the lab. They look around, and there's like a tense moment where they're wondering if it's gone. And then they find its husk. Oh yeah, yeah, but that's right. it. But they find its corpse. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's dead. But... Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, but the, the chestbuster gets out, and that's it. And there's the only yeah. one alien, hence alien. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, singular. Anyway, great movies all around. I really wish they would make good new ones. The Get thing that away is, from, like, they're they, okay. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where to go with the story and their attempts to like expand it out have not been successful. And I suspect that there's like, they're doing Prometheus rather than alien four or five or something because they, there might be a licensing or rights issue with the whole thing. Well, Uh, it's all, yeah, go go ahead. And they just, and they, and in the end, like alien one, two and three are more or less all repetitions of the same film, just with slightly different characters setting and like a directorial tone, that that colors the whole movie but fundamentally it's the same exact same thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly that's it but and but the way that they're fleshing it out i don't even hate prometheus and covenant it's just that they're like there's so much that doesn't make sense that's not well thought out that doesn't connect together that falls apart like, when you start to think about it exactly yeah. exactly very much it's, so. the, it's the simplicity of alien that that makes it work and in its simplicity you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over people well what, yeah. what bugs what bugs the piss out of me is that as much as I like Alien Covenant more than Prometheus as like as kind of a standalone piece, but the implications for the series bugs me. Ludicrous. Yeah. That they're like that the alien was only des- like designed by an android or whatever, and I was like, yeah, I was like, it's so much better. It's just like like I I love the alien as an allegory for ultimately like when they say like. Like, oh, like what happens on planet Earth, whatever. Like when we venture into like parts unknown, you expose yourself to like stuff that mankind was probably not meant to encounter, 
you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. they took that. And then they just said, yeah, you go far enough in space and you find something just the worst, <laughs> you know, like, and that's this creep, that's this species. That's what they do, you know? And it's like, and if, you know, and, and like, they'll just kill things to extinction. They're like, well, how do they like propagate? And I was like, they don't even have to. Cause then just the eggs just stay there forever. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, done. So even if they just wreck a planet, well, now there's eggs there and then they just wait. And it's just sort of like, it just pops out. Like, it's much more of a force of nature. Nope, it was designed by Michael Fassbender. Get out of here. I, I hated so much that Ridley Scott thought that having the two androids switch places where the bad one won was some, like, huge twist. Yeah, that made me like, so mad. He got drunk one night with M. Night Shyamalan, and then <laughs> Shyamalan was like, but what if it's a different one? He's like, perfect! Just the idea and, and- that Ridley Scott was going to try to trick us all by having the good alien get killed by, or the good um, Android get killed by the bad Android and take his place. And get that was here. dumb. We saw it coming. We knew it happened because the end of the fight was off screen. And mm-hmm. I was like, you're, you, you've made a stupid movie and now you've made it seem like it's my fault for watching this stupid movie. Go home. It, it's also weird that like it sets up that character to be in potentially the third one and i was like no one wants like i'm not sure the, that's true fastbender was kind of the best the best character out of all out of both of those movies sure but but it's just it's it it makes a dumb trilogy where the bad guy is the through line do you know what i mean like if it had been done well that would have been magnificent i would have loved to have seen not, that done well and really it's not done, done well. well it doesn't make sense upon scrutiny and it becomes uh, tedious Anyway, so you were saying, let's wrap this up with what? What, what was your M Night Shyamalan twist? Oh yeah, yeah. When I when I earlier described Army of the Dead as being like um, 300 meets um, Suicide Squad, I forgot to mention it's 300 meets Suicide Squad with an M Night Shyamalan twist at the end. Oh, it's a, it's a twist, and it's a twist on the zombie, the, the zombie storyline. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. Oh, uh, I had it spoiled for me by. Uh pitch meeting uh, it was a large portion of why i didn't want to watch the movie it's it's not a major part of it and i actually think it's interesting it's it, it's kind of fun hmm. yeah. I, I'll, I'll check it out we have it on our uh on our downloads to watch up at the cottage hit it so uh, hit we'll, it we'll get to it i don't even like Snyder. uh this is this was 90s everybody yep stick around for garbage time where we talk about once upon a time not the show <laughs> or the movie or whatever or the tv show uh, i'm 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 gonna Listen, man, we all know that you pressed stop on your podcast player like 30 seconds ago as soon as you heard the outro music. And the only reason you're possibly listening to this is because you're like jogging or something and your phone is in your pocket and you can't stop me from talking. Uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. Uh, We put in a lot of work on this website. Uh, If you do want to support us financially, we're kind of reworking the whole structure over there. But if you do want to support us financially, you can head to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. And if you don't want to support us financially, maybe you could just tell your friends about the show. And if you don't want to support us at all, I don't even know how you're possibly listening to this at the end of that episode. Bye. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.